In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Tonight, our Bible study from Psalm 59. There is introduction for each psalm, or a title. And the title of this psalm is, To the Chief Musician, Said to Do Not Destroy, a Mishtam of David, when Saul sent men, and they watched the house in order to kill him. All of this was the title. So the title indicates, as it was mentioned in previous Psalms, that this psalm is directed toward the chief musician. Some said the chief musician is the Lord Jesus Christ. Others said he is the leader of the choir of musicians in David's time like Heman or Asaph. Said to do not destroy may refer to a tune or musical musical expression. Or maybe it is a plea from David to God that he will not allow him to be destroyed. Or do not destroy can be the first words of some well-known hymn in order to show that this psalm was to be set to the music which was applied in using that hymn. Like for example when we say this song is like this famous song. Mechtam indicates golden the word Mechtam means golden which means these are golden psalms and this psalm is the fifth of the golden psalms or the golden secrets of David and according to the title the psalm refers to the occasion in David's life when King Saul sent men and they watched the house in order to kill him. We read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 11 and 12. And in, in this chapter we read how King Saul intended to kill David and who was speaking openly about this. So David start to live his life as a fugitive and he sent men to take him from his bed with Michal his wife and Michal by the way is the daughter of King Saul. And Michal tried to spare the life of her husband David and gave him time to run away and to escape. Then she said to the messengers of her father, King Saul, that David is sleeping in his bed because he is sick. But King Saul did not care that David was sick and commanded the men to get him up out of the bed 
so he can kill him. And then he discovered how Michal, his daughter, spared David's life and sent him away to escape. So David wrote this psalm under stress of this life-threatening circumstance. But there is much in this psalm which suits David's life in general. Not only in this incident, but almost during his whole life, his life has been in danger. Psalm 59 is another prayer for deliverance from the malicious enemies who are threatening David's life. Some fathers and commentators said this psalm also to be understood of Christ. And David here is a symbol or a type of Christ, especially in his suffering. And there are some verses in the psalm agree with Christ more than David. Particularly verse 3, in which David said he is without sin. But who is without sin except God? Some believed that this psalm was written by Josiah, not by David, when Jerusalem was threatened by the invading troops of the Scythians. Others said this psalm was written by Nehemiah when he was hindered in his work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem by the Samaritans and their allies. But neither of these assumptions is acceptable. In this psalm, we can find the enemies here are personal. It is the psalmist life which is in danger, not the city, not David as a symbol of the city. St. Augustine see in that psalm a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. When the guards will oar around his tomb and which was sealed according to Pontius Pilate, and at the dawn of Sunday, they found the tomb empty, for Jesus is risen from the dead, as though from sleep or by the power of his divinity, like exactly how these messengers of King Saul surrounded the house of David to discover that David ran away and the bed is empty. So St. Augustine said, this is a symbol of Jesus Christ when the guards surrounded the tomb to find that the tomb is empty because the Lord rose from the dead. The psalm is 17 verses, 1 to 7, a prayer for deliverance from the enemies, 8 to 10, confidence in God, 11 to 15, destruction of the wicked, 16 to 17, singing praise despite the danger. So let's start from verse 1. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. 
defend me from those who rise up against me deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men in these two verses David actually is pleading God for deliverance and we can see in these two verses that David asks for help using three different words in four places because one word he repeated twice deliver me defend me and again deliver me save me so using all these words in two verses show the distress David was in deliver me that was actually repeated twice this is the most constant cry of David David had many enemies internal from his among people and external from foreign enemies in his youth King Saul became his enemy out of jealousy then he has enemies in his family among his sons like Absalom and enemies among his friends and counselors like Ahithophel foreign enemies on all sides like Philistines, Edomites, Moabites, Ammonites Amalekites, Syrians and Mesopotamians against all of them David appealing to God that he may help him and support him and God may give him triumph over all of them one may think it is strange that a man after God's heart a man who is Israel's greatest earthly king had so many enemies many of us when a godly person or a righteous person suffers we wonder how or why bad things happen to good people here David a man after God's own heart he endured all these sufferings and attacked by all these enemies and as David had many enemies Jesus Christ the son of David also had more enemies than David St. Augustine says there has been done this thing in the flesh of Christ so the suffering that happened in the flesh of Christ it is being done in us also because we are the body of Christ for our enemies to please the devil and his angels cease not to rise up upon us every day and to wish to make sport of our weakness and our frailness they use deceptions suggestions temptations snares to entangle us while we are on earth and we are still living 
St. Augustine continues and says, But let our voice watch unto God and cry out in the members of Christ, because we are his body, under the head that's in heaven. So Christ, the head is in heaven and we are here on earth. Let us cry and say, Deliver me from mine enemies, my God, and from men rising up upon me, redeem me. The guards of King Saul were all round David's house with an order to have David taken dead or alive, well or ill. But David cries for deliverance and leaves ways and means to God. He's not suggesting to God how to deliver him. He just told him, deliver me. He did not give God a certain way or a certain mean to deliver him. He asks to be lifted up beyond the reach of his enemies. His enemies who rise up against me. Rise up against me, this word repeated three more times in this psalm. So four times in the whole psalm. One time in verse 1, then in verse 9, verse 16, and verse 17. In verse 2 he said, Save me from bloodthirsty men. David was the target of an assassination plot. Many felt that they could have King Saul's approval if they killed David. And knowing the danger, David looked to God for rescue and defense from bloodthirsty men. St. Augustine says, They indeed were men of blood who slew Jesus, the just one, in whom no guilt they found. And they were men of blood because when the foreigner, Pontius Pilate, washed his hands and would have let go Christ, they cried, Crucify him, crucify him. They were men of blood on whom, when there was being charged the crime of the blood of Christ, they made answer, giving it to their posterity, to their children, to drink. When they said, His blood be upon us and upon our children. Verse 3 For look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. The enemies of David set an ambush. They were fierce men conspire against David, and powerful men are attacking him, as he said, the mighty gather against me. And seeing the troubling circumstances he is in, David cries out to God. They lie in wait as wild beasts, they want to devour me as wild beasts 
do for their prey, ready to leap upon it. And the word used here is often employed to denote the act of lying in ambush, of watching in secret places to jump upon a victim. As the man did watching his house when Saul sent to kill him, so the Jews the same way sought and lie in wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to take his life away. And when David said, the mighty gather, he refers to the soldiers that King Saul sent, who were strong, hostile, and cruel men. But we can find the same enemies for the Lord Jesus Christ, the chief priests, the scribes, and elders, men of great authority and influence among the people. Then King David said, Not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. Meaning, they want to kill me not in consequence of any wrong that he has done. David didn't make a claim to sinless perfection. David did not say, I am sinless. No, he is saying, they want to kill me, although this was not like consequence to something wrong I did. So he simply understood and said to God that there was no justification for King Saul to send these bloodthirsty killers to kill him. David is saying, I did not violate the law that would cause King Saul to send the men after me. And David, as in many Psalms before, he protests his absolute innocence in these Psalms. David never claimed that he is perfectly sinless. But many fathers said these verses about Jesus Christ, because the Lord Jesus Christ is entirely without sin, without original sin or actual transgression. He had no sin in his nature, nor committed any sin in his life. He had none inherent in him, and therefore the treatment he met from the evil men was very cruel and unjust. Verse 4, they run and prepare themselves through no fault of mine. Awake to help me, and behold. They run and prepare themselves, mean they rush to accomplish their plan. This may imply their readiness and swiftness to shed blood. They are quick to obey the command of King Saul to kill David. The word they run and prepare themselves, the word prepare refers to whatever was regarded necessary to enable them to accomplish what they had been commanded to do. 
whether they took took ropes to bind David or swords to kill him. So David feared he would die if God were asleep to his needs. That's why he asked God to be awake for him and to look and to behold upon his crisis. Awake to help me and behold. This distress he was in and the wickedness and the malice of his enemies against him. So he's crying to God, awake for me and behold from heaven. If the wicked thought they are mighty and David in his weakness the, although he is righteous he counted them the almighty but David now looking up to God and he perceives that no creation should stand before God because God is the Lord of hosts and at the same time he is God of Israel namely God who loves his people and believers he is the almighty who protects his beloved children from all the wicked nations that's why in verse 5 he used so many titles for God you therefore Lord God of hosts the God of Israel awake to punish all the nations don't be merciful to any wicked transgressors so David applied to God a variety of names and titles Lord God of hosts implies that God has a power the word host means armies or military troops it's applied however to the angels which surround the throne of God so as if David is asking God to command all the armies of heaven who are all under him at his order and can do with his enemies whatsoever God pleases also to visit all the nations with punishment or chastisement probably counting his wicked opponent full of violence like the heathen nations then you call the God, God of Israel God of Israel means God is in covenant with Israel and he promised to protect and bless the true Israelites David here is asking God, Lord of hosts and God of Israel to awake, to arise, to punish awake to punish all the nations don't be merciful to any wicked transgressors he is a protector of his people and under the obligation to intervene and to punish the enemies for their offenses so David looked to God of angelic armies, Lord of hosts, to judge the nations and all wicked transgressors. He said here, punish all the nations, awake to punish all the nations. 
Some fathers believe that the verse here does not imply avenging all the nations literally, as much as calling upon nations to the faith, to believe in God, to believe in Christ. Christ was rejected by Israel or rejected by the Jews in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine made a comment about what David said in verse 5, do not be merciful to any wicked transgressors. So St. Augustine said, God is merciful. However, there is a kind of iniquity that God will never have mercy on its door, which is the kind of iniquity done by intention, with knowledge, and without repentance. Then after verse 5, we find the word sila, and sila means pause for meditation, as if David is assuring himself, saying, Assuredly God will have my enemies in contempt and will protect me. He is actually meditating on this. Verse 6 At evening they, my enemies, return. They grow like a dog and go all around the city. The enemies that he mentioned in verse 1 and the workers of iniquity that he mentioned in verse 2 are more greatly and abundantly portrayed here. David points out that his enemies are acting like a troop of vicious and hungry dogs. They are like dogs seeking their prey, fierce, loud, and violent, and ready to leap upon him. In many occasions in the scriptures, wicked men are compared to dogs, and particularly the enemies of Christ, as we read in Psalm 22. He said, in the even, at evening they run, because it was at evening King Saul sent messengers to watch David's house, that they might take him in the morning. But missing him, in the morning because Michal helped him to run away. So after a fruitless search for him all day, they returned at evening to watch his house again. That's why he said they return. If we take this verse in a prophetic way, then it was at night when Judas set out from Bethany to go to the chief priests at Jerusalem to bargain with them and to betray his Lord. Also it was at night when Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. At evening they returned, they growled like a dog and go all around the city. The messengers of King Saul, when they found David, had made his escape from his house, searched the whole city in quest for him. In the same time, in a prophetic way, there was much going about the city of Jerusalem at the time of the, our Lord's apprehension, trial, and condemnation after he was taken in the garden. 
They went with the Lord first to Anna's house, then to Qiyafah, then to Pilate, then to Herod, back to Pilate, then out of the city to Golgotha. Verse 7 Indeed, they belch with their mouth. Swords are in their lips, for they say, Who hears? So the nature of attack is not only physically threatening, but also verbal. That's why he said they belch with their mouth. All night long, they keep speaking abuse and insults and threats. They belch with their mouth denotes the abundance of evil things and wicked speeches that came out of their mouths which showed the malice of their hearts. In the same way, Christ's enemies poured out their wicked charges of blasphemy against him in abundance and without proof. These words were very, very painful. These words were so severe that they seemed to be more painful than dying with swords. That's why he said, swords are in their lips. Not only that, but they were so arrogant, saying, who hears? They belch with their mouths, swords are in their lips, for they say, who hears? These people thought they can say whatever they like, believing that they will get away with their verbal attacks. The mouths of the wicked are filled with oppression, vain accusation, threats, and blasphemies, thinking that God does not care for his believers, saying, who hears? Verse 8, But you, O Lord, shall laugh at them. You shall have all the nations in derision. The psalmist turned his eyes away from his wicked enemies and their meetings and their evil possibilities to concentrate on God, against whom no might, no power can stand. So David's danger from the killers was real and fearful, yet he understood that they were nothing against God. The Lord could simply laugh at them and their arrogant claim that God did not hear or care about their evil. All who opposed God would be held in derision. This verse, verse 8, expresses the strong conviction of David that all the efforts of his enemies would be in vain, that God would be his protector that David, that God would save him from their evil plans. In verse 3, he said, his enemies are strong, but God is stronger, and God is the strength of David. They watch his house, but David will watch unto God, 
waiting in faith for his help. Verse 9, I will wait for you, O you his strength, for God is my defense. As if David has prayed that God will set him up on high, and he is confident of an answer, for God himself, his defense, God is his high tower of refuge. It is a beautiful description of what God is to his people who are in trials. This image portrays strength and peace. David did not only believe that the Lord was the God of mercy in a distant theoretical sense, but he confidently say, my God of mercy. So he did not say God of mercy, but in verse 10 he said, my God of mercy shall come to meet me, as if God will descend to meet him. God shall let me see my desire on my enemies. He knew that God would be merciful to him and that God would meet him, lead him in his need. God shall come to meet me in an answer to my prayer when I said, Awake to help me and behold. God shall let me see my desire on my enemies. God will not let them have victory over David. God will let David see his enemies in confusion and all their plans falling apart. Verse 11, do not slay them, lest my people forget. Scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. Do not slay them means David wants the punishment of his enemies to be a long-term reminder to the people. The psalmist desires that they may not be destroyed at once by some devastation from God, but visibly punished as a living example, until at last their own weakness proves their destruction when he said, Scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. Let them live and scatter them. Let them wander about that they may be permanent and enduring proofs of the justice of God. If you remember when Cain murdered Abel, God did not punish him by killing him right away. But God let Cain live a fugitive, a wanderer on earth, as a testimony to the fruit of sin and a fulfillment of the divine justice. When David said, don't slay them, Lord, the reason lest my people forget, which actually indicate that whenever David prayed for the destruction of his enemies, he had in mind not only his personal deliverance, but also 
what the display of divine justice would teach God's people. He wanted from this a lesson to the people of God. Scatter them, O Lord. The fathers applied the word scatter them to the Jews in their dispersion. Scattered, but not consumed. An ever visible memorial of divine judgment. Don't slay them, lest my people forget. Scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. Verse 12. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for the cursing and lying which they speak. David seemed offended at the proud words he overheard from the men who hoped to ambush him. They speak nothing but evil. Whatever they say is sin. Out of the abundance of their evil hearts, their mouth speak. They speak with cursing and lying. They boasted of David's death and their own advancement through it, although they couldn't arrest David. So the allusion here is to the accusation brought against David and which were believed by King Saul. And because of this accusation, they served as the foundation of the efforts made by King Saul to take his life. Cursing also, that exactly what happened to the Messiah, declaring him to be accursed, treating him as such by hanging him on a tree. And also lying against the Lord. They said he was a Samaritan, he had a devil and cast out demons by Baal Zabub. They said about the Lord he was a deceiver of the people and a wicked man. Verse 13 Consume them in wrath, consume them, that they may not be, and let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Silam. The word consume here means to finish, to complete, to bring to an end. It doesn't mean to burn them, as the word might seem to imply. Also, there is no reference to the manner in which their power was be brought to an end. So when he said consume them, it is merely a prayer that all their plans might be stopped, that they might be in no sense successful. The Psalms ask God to consume the wicked by his divine wrath, to perceive that God is the Almighty One. David asked before not to kill them once and for all, but here David is prophesying about the destiny of King Saul's household through divine justice, consume them. Also, it carries a prophecy about the Antichrist 
and his followers at the end of the days. The expression consume them is repeated for the sake of emphasis, implying a desire that the work might be complete. Consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be. Let them know that God rules over and above them, and it may mean that they are not be any more in the land of the living, to be totally destroyed and non-existent, that they may not be. Also, it means that they may not be in glory or in honor, in dignity or in joy. Also, it means that King Saul, yes, is the king, but God is his superior in power and authority. And all things among us shall be disposed, not as it pleases King Saul, but according to the will of God. That's why David will be preserved and in the appropriate time will be crowned as a king of Israel in spite of all that King Saul or his forces can do against David. Let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. God rules in Jacob. What David cares about is God's honor and glory. Let them know that God rules among his people in Jacob, protecting them, guarding them from the attacks of their enemies. David also prayed that the way, of, way God deal with them would tell the ends of the earth something about God's righteous rule in the world. So not only Israel will learn or his enemies will learn about God, but to the end of the earth. When their plans will be hindered and they are punished, this will cause God of Israel to be recognized widely as the king of the whole earth. So the meaning here is that by these great discoveries of God's power, God's wisdom, God's justice, it will be evident to the enemies and to all those who hear of it that God is not an inadequate God or inferior God like the gods of the nations but he is the high and most high and the mighty God and the great ruler of the whole world also to the ends of the earth can be understood of Christ who is God over all and ruler in Israel and king of the believers. But also he reigns over the house of Jacob in his church and among his people who wherever they are to the end of the earth. His dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the end of the earth as we read in Psalm 72 and his government is known to all men whether good or bad and again we see the word sila again it is opposed to contemplate on the power of God and his wisdom and his justice verse 14 is, rep is a repetition of verse 6 
At the end, at the evening, they return. They growl like a dog and go all around the city. So David here in verse 14 turns back from the future fate of his enemies to their present condition. And he repeats verse 6 for emphasis. But here he added at the beginning the word and, showing that having closed their peace, once they know that God is almighty and king of all that, of, of the church and the protector of the church, they like unclean animals, like dogs, will go all around the city seeking to devour it, thirsty for shedding blood. David reminds himself of his existing danger. He is still being sought by his enemies. They are still in quest for their prey and will continue till the morning comes. Which means his enemies do not stumble into evil. Rather, they crave evil like hungry beasts crave food. As he said in verse 15, they wander up and down, they wander up and down for food. And how will if they are not as if, and how will if they are not satisfied? So David's enemies came around the city to take David. They shouted as dogs bark and howl when they come upon their prey. But actually, some commentators looked at this verse from a different angle. They said at evening the return may refer to the conversion and return of the Jews at the evening of the world, at the end of the days. So yes, they started by, they were humiliated and mourning for piercing Christ. And they were mourning for their distressed and uncomfortable condition they will be after crucified Christ. Until they return and will have their satisfaction that their sins are forgiven them when they accept Jesus Christ at the end of the times. They wander up and down for food, but they will not find any satisfaction. And how if they are not satisfied? So in verse 15, David is saying, they vainly labor all night long and would not fulfill or reach their goal. They will be like dogs that wander about for food and find none. So the idea here is that they would not find him, would not find David, and would be then as dogs that had sought in vain for food, they can do no harm because they cannot find him. They will meet with disappointment and such disappointment will be the proper punishment for their sins. In the same way, the sins of the wicked deprive them from inner peace. They will not be satisfied. St. Augustine thinks that at evening the return is a symbol of sinners who return to the truth, confess their sins even though late in their life at the right thief on the cross.
St. Augustine says, what kind of food do they seek? They seek the return of the sinners to the truth. He says, they wander about for food. Namely, they seek to gain the others to become believers, to preach others to become believers. So it will be when man discovers his sins and with humility he enjoys returning to the truth, he longs for the whole world to partake of the same joyful experience he passed through. So he said about verse 15, when a person returns at, e- at the evening and repent and return back to God, they will wander up and down for food, for non-believers to bring them to faith. Until they will not be satisfied until they will bring more and more and more to believe in Christ. Last two verses, verse 16 and 17. And this is usually the end of the Psalms of David. He starts by crying for help, deliver me, save me, rescue me. But usually he ends his Psalms with a song of praise. But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. I want you to notice, he said this before God delivered him, but in hope. So, though the evil doers continue to growl like dogs, David will sing of God's strength and proclaim God's faithful love. This is an impressive display of confidence and hope because based upon what we have read, David's circumstances have not changed. So how can David have this confidence in God? Their craving for evil is contrasted by David craving to worship the Lord. They were craving for evil, but David craving to worship the Lord as he anticipates his deliverance, that God will deliver him. He will praise God for the manifestation of his power in rescuing him from danger. God has always been there for David before and will continue to be with him to the end. He said, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. The morning would come, morning after such a night of sorrow and trouble, a morning of joy and gladness, when he would feel that he had complete deliverance. If you are right now in darkness and in night of trouble, don't be sad or upset or be disappointed. The morning will come in which you will celebrate, in which actually you will be joyful. God is faithful, meaning that this time of trouble will go away. David knows that God is still with him. St. Augustine says, in the morning, when the temptations have been overcome, in the morning, when the night of this world shall have passed away, 
in the morning when no longer the lying in wait of robbers and of the devil and of his angels we dread in the morning when no longer by the lamp of prophecy we walk but himself the logos of God the light of the world as it were a sun we contemplate sun is your end St. Augustine continues the Lord himself the resurrection was at dawn in the morning that there should be fulfilled that which was, has been said in another psalm in the evening shall tarry weeping and in the morning exaltation for at evening the disciples mourned our Lord Jesus Christ as dead at dawn at him rising again they exalted for thou hast become my taker up and my refuge in the day of my tribulation that what David said for you have been my defense and refuge in the day of trouble last verse to you O my strength I will sing praises for God is my defense my God of mercy there was though a conspiracy to kill David still existed in the highest places of the kingdom David's heart was filled with song of praise instead of dark fears he started the psalm asking God for his defense at the end of the psalm he was so confident that God is his defense that he could sing about it David will praise God for his strength and love for us the believers both attributes are valuable strength and love for without one or the other he would not be God the Savior if God is strong but not loving then how he can be my Savior if God is loving but not strong how he would be my Savior so the experience of David in the case referred to in this psalm should be an encouragement to all of us who are in danger to put their trust in God whatever may have been the means of our rescue David did not ask for a certain way it is to be traced to the intervention and involvement of God because God is our defense and our deliverer David's feeling of gratitude and his purpose to praise God when he should be delivered should stir in us the determination to attribute to God all the praise when we are delivered from imminent troubles sometimes when we are delivered we attribute it to our intelligence to the connection we have to the money to whatever but David attributed everything to God when King Saul sent the people to David's house he openly revealed his desire to kill David from there on David had to live as a fugitive constantly in danger of his life but David entered that period of being fugitive singing praises and was still able to pour out his heart to God in song at the end of this period 
So at the end of this period of being fugitive, he actually uh, chanted a beautiful psalm. We read it in Second Samuel chapter 1, verse 17 to 27. This concludes Psalm 59. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.